On April 23, 2013, tragedy struck the outskirts of Dhaka, Bangladesh, when the Rana Plaza building collapsed, killing 1,138 workers and injuring thousands. It revealed the horrifying reality of what it's like to work in one of the garment factories, producing goods for well-known international brands. In the rubble, first responders found people, some dead, some injured, and clothing labels. Since that day, people stood up to demand transparency on who makes the shoes, clothes, phones, and computers we use every day, and on the conditions of those workers. Since that day, tireless advocates have been trying to make things change to lift the veil. Revolution was founded in the devastating wake of the Rana Plaza building collapse nine years ago, which killed and injured thousands of garment workers, mainly young women of colour, in what was a preventable accident. At the time, rescuers had to dig through the rubble looking for clothing labels in order to figure out which brands were producing clothes there. The harsh reality is it is impossible for companies to make sure human rights are respected, working conditions are safe, and the environment is protected if they don't know where their products are being made. But nine years after Rana Plaza, there is still so much to be done to improve transparency in fashion. Every year, Fashion Revolution publishes a research paper called the Fashion Transparency Index, which reviews and ranks 250 of the world's largest fashion brands and retailers according to what information they disclose about their social and environmental policies, practices and impacts. This includes supply chain traceability. Just like previous years, our 2022 findings reveal that the further down the supply chain you look, the less visibility there is. For example, in 2022, we found that 48%, so nearly half of major fashion brands disclose the, name, the names and addresses of the factories where their clothes are made. But only 12% of brands do so at raw material level, for example, the names and addresses of the farms where their cotton is grown. The workers at the lower stages are the least visible in fashion, and therefore they are the most vulnerable. As individuals, I think we're just so disconnected to the lives and the labour of the millions of people who make our clothes. I'm not just talking about the workers, mainly young women, who sew our clothes in garment factories, but also of the millions of workers below that, from cotton fields to cattle ranches, fabric mills, tanneries, ginners, spinners, laundries, so many facilities and so many workplaces. The harsh reality is that if fashion brands do not trace their entire supply chain, including raw material level, they cannot protect and uphold the human rights of the people who make their clothes. For example, if a fashion brand does not know where its cotton is grown, who's growing the cotton, under what working conditions, they simply cannot know 
that that cotton is not tainted by egregious human and labour rights abuses, including, for example, forced labour of the Uyghur population in Xinjiang. Transparency and traceability of supply chains underpins and is just so critical to meaningful due diligence. Without knowing where their clothes are made, at every single stage, they cannot protect all of those workers and planet along the way. To establish more responsible business practices, we need to start from a place of awareness and transparency. The work of policymakers is fundamental in this department, as they have the capacity to craft legislation that holds businesses accountable, upholds labour laws and safeguards consumers. As businesses expand rapidly, so should the efforts to perfect human rights. At Fashion Revolution, we generally advocate that when fashion brands uncover abuses, whether that be human rights abuses or environmental abuses in their supply chains, they stay and remediate that issue rather than exit, rather than leave the facility or source somewhere else. And this is in line with the United Nations guiding principles on business and human rights, which call for fashion brands and all businesses to protect, respect and crucially to remedy abuses that they discover. However, sometimes remedying human rights abuses means responsible exit, and this is certainly the case in the Uyghur region. It is impossible for brands to operate in according with the UNGP's, the United Nations Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, if they are operating in the Uyghur region. And there's a few reasons for this. Firstly, there are significant barriers to conduct independent investigations in countries like China, where rights to freedom of association are repressed. Secondly, workers in the Uyghur region are simply not safe to disclose the reality of their working conditions if they're in situations of forced labour without very serious, very real dangerous consequences for themselves and their families. And this means that due diligence in the Uyghur region is severely undermined. In these cases, stay and remediate is simply not possible and therefore we support End Uyghur Forced Labour's call to fully exit supply chain from the Uyghur region. And we think that's the only way for corporations to ensure that they're not complicit in the Chinese government's repression in that region. The coalition to end forced labour in the Uyghur region involves civil society organisations, trade unions, faith-based groups and investors with the objective to end state-sponsored forced labour and other egregious human rights abuses against people from the Uyghur region in China. To do that, the coalition is calling on leading companies to ensure that they are not supporting or benefiting from the pervasive and extensive forced labour of the Uyghur population and other Turkic Muslim minorities, perpetrated by the Chinese government. In this action, our role as consumers is crucial. We can address the governments and the companies drawing attention to the issue and pushing for change. At Fashion Revolution, we are often asked, what's the role of consumers um, in a certain issue? So in this case, what's the role of consumers in ending Uyghur forced labour? Firstly, I want to reframe the question, and I do this every time I speak to a fashion brand. Although, of course, I understand why fashion brands speak about customers and consumers, we really talk about and try and advocate that individuals are first and foremost citizens. We're not just consumers. And there are so many things that we can do 
as citizen actions that we can take that don't involve buying at all. And as somebody that works in sustainable fashion, this is, of course, the most sustainable thing you can do. I want to give an example that I've heard of in the sustainable fashion community, uh, where individuals have told me that they look up fashion brands with known links to the Uyghur region and they avoid buying from those brands. Firstly, I absolutely salute anybody that takes the time to do this, even though I know the numbers of people doing this are an absolute tiny minority compared to the amount of clothes that we're churning out and we're buying. But as a researcher in fashion transparency, I know that there are many other brands who are also complicit in the Uyghur region that we don't know about because they're not transparent and they're not disclosing their supply chains. So I don't think the solution is individuals in shops desperately trying to avoid accidentally supporting these horrendous regimes. Actually, the very best decision an individual can make is no decision at all. That's something that we say all the time at Fashion Revolution. So the solution, I believe, is stronger regulation and enforcement on all forced labour and including state-imposed forced labour like that in the Uyghur region. The solution is legislation that means that fashion tainted with forced labour in the Uyghur region is not on sale at all. Nobody can buy it and nobody, no individual or citizen or consumer, is accidentally complicit in these horrendous regimes of forced labour. In the meantime, and in a very patchy legislative landscape, although there is movement on this, we call all fashion brands to step up and exit the Uyghur region and we remind them that they don't need to wait for legislation and they can commit to doing the right thing by today mapping their supply chains. I mean, it takes time, but start today, map your supply chains, disclose your supply chains and exit all business relationships linked to the Uyghur region. The European Union, US, UK and Canada have already taken steps to hold those responsible for such abuses accountable and to stand with victims. In a coordinated effort in March 2021, the European Union, UK, US and Canada imposed targeted sanctions, including travel bans and asset freezes, on senior officials in Xinjiang who have been accused of serious human rights violations against Uyghur Muslims. However, this is not enough. We need enforceable regulations. The countries which don't want to be complicit in these crimes should also introduce a legislation able to block the import of goods made with forced labour, both from Xinjiang and other locations inside and outside of China. Some governments have already started. In the United States, where the Uyghur Forced Labour Prevention Act, which came into effect in June 2022, effectively addresses forced labour in Xinjiang, inverting the burden of proof and provides customs authorities increased powers to enforce an existing ban on imports linked to forced labour. This new law creates a presumption that any goods made in whole or in part in Xinjiang cannot be imported into the United States. Companies can only rebuke this presumption if they provide clear and convincing evidence that goods are free from forced labour, a nearly impossible bar to clear given the difficulty of conducting human rights due diligence in Xinjiang and in China more broadly. Canada also prohibits the imports of goods produced wholly or in part by forced labour and in January 2021 announced intensified efforts to prevent businesses from being complicit in or profiting from human rights violations in the Xinjiang region. The United Kingdom has introduced measures that include guidance to British businesses on the risks faced by companies linked to Xinjiang, 
as well as advice for public bodies on excluding suppliers if there is any evidence of human rights abuses in their supply chains. These measures include also a review of export controls to Xinjiang and fines for companies that fail to publish statements on their efforts to eliminate forced labour in their supply chains. The Australian government is focused on improving Australia's Modern Slavery Act in order to ensure that they don't promote, don't condone and don't financially support forced labour. Also, the EU has taken the first steps. On the 22nd of September 2022, it proposed to prohibit within the European market products made within forced labour. Goods found to have been made using forced labour will be banned from sale in the EU, whether they are made in China, Europe or anywhere else. However, in its current form, the proposal has little capacity to address one of the most pressing cases of forced labour in the world today, essentially because it is weak on supply chain mapping and disclosure, an essential requirement needed to determine whether forced labour has occurred somewhere in the supply chain. More has to be done to protect workers, especially at a time where we have seen the significant rise in modern slavery cases, as reported in the new 2022 Global Estimates. The world has seen cases of modern slavery increase by 10 million in only five years. As it stands, the proposal of the European Commission is not enough to protect individuals from forced labour, exploitation and state-imposed forced labour. That's why we urge the European Parliament to strengthen the proposal introducing amendments. Future revisions of the proposal should include an explicit mechanism to ban products from a tainted supply chain or a tainted region where state-imposed forced labour makes credible due to diligence impossible such as all products made from cotton produced in the Uyghur region or any good made in the Uyghur region. The process has already started. In the meantime, while a more stringent legislation is implemented, there are some more concrete actions that anyone can take. So firstly, you can raise your voice to call for more stringent legislation on forced labour. So you could do that by writing to your local policymaker, whether that's your MP, a member of the European Parliament, if you're an EU resident, to ask for legislation that cracks down on Uyghur and state-imposed forced labour that is occurring in the Uyghur region. Write to them about it, tell them that you found out about this and ask them to take action and ask them what they're doing. Another action you can support is any campaign that enhances freedom of association as well as transparency and traceability within supply chains. And this is actually something that we groups themselves are directly calling for that enhance transparency and traceability because they know that it's part of the solution to uncovering Uyghur forced labour. I'm part of a campaign called Good Clothes Fair Pay which is a grassroots citizens campaign demanding EU legislation on living wages for garment workers worldwide as well as requiring fashion brands to pay the people who make our clothes fair living wages and protect their right to freedom of association and collective bargaining, the draft legislation we have written has requirements on transparency and traceability in fashion supply chains. Enhanced freedom of association rights and enhanced traceability means that better human rights due diligence can take place by fashion brands, and that will lead to lots more surfacing of forced labour. As I've talked about, transparency is absolutely critical to surfacing forced labour risks, including those in the Uyghur region. 
The Good Clothes Fair Pay campaign is not an ordinary petition. It is a European citizen initiative, which is a mechanism for European citizens to directly influence EU legislation. If we can get one million verified EU signatures, the European Commission has to formally respond to us. So we really believe that we can change the fashion system, but only with your support and signatures. So please help us get to one million signatures. Head to goodclothesfairpay.eu to sign now. If you're not an EU citizen, you can still get involved by sharing the campaign with your EU friends and family and sharing our posts on social media. The world's leading human rights body is demanding urgent action against the grave human rights abuses in the Uyghur region. The long-awaited analysis published by the UN Human Rights Office of the High Commissioner in the 31st of August 2022 alleges crimes against humanity and urges accountability for Uyghurs. The report demolished Beijing's counter-terrorism framework, which is used to justify the crackdown and clearly says the Chinese government has committed abuses that may amount to crimes against humanity, targeting Uyghurs and other Turkic communities in the Xinjiang region. In addition, the report recommends that states, businesses and the international community take urgent action with a view to ending the abuses and advancing justice and accountability. Advocacy, condemnations and awareness are the best weapons available to fight for human rights in the business world. Workers deserve laws that appropriately protect fundamental rights and hold accountable those companies that do not respect them. The more institutions fight alongside strong and tireless advocates, the greater the chance that long-lasting change will happen. And that respect for human rights won't remain a suggestion. Made in Slavery is a podcast in four episodes written by Eleonora Mongelli. The English and updated version was created in partnership with FIDU, Italian Federation for Human Rights and IRI, International Republican Institute and Solent University. Editing and mixing by Guido Andriani. Original music by Vincenzo Vitulli and voiceover by Katie Leamy. If you have any questions or comments, you can write to us at madeinslavery at gmx.com. Special thanks to Flavia Loschalpo, Ludovica Efrati, Daria Impombato, Gulbaha Jalilova, Kira Berry, Adrian Zenz, Dolkan Issa, the World Uyghur Congress, Laura Hart, Steve Middleton. And a final thank you to you all for listening.